We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I've talked a lot about the mastermind in the beginning of this podcast for many years, and I want to invite you to be part of it. I want to share some things that have been the most impactful things for our members over the past couple of weeks. Here's a couple. Hearing that everyone is going through the same thing. Refining my thinking about the issues and challenges that are running through my head. Giving myself permission to let something go. And here's a funny one. Talking to another adult. <laughs> Sometimes that is the best part. So the mastermind really is a powerful thing. I would love for you to be part of it. Go to jethrojones.com slash mastermind and let's schedule a little chat and we can talk about whether or not it's going to be right for you. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited today. We've got some amazing guests. We have three of them today. Number one, Miguel Gonzalez, the founder of Embark Education. His co-founder, Brian Sense, and also the executive director of Great Work, Inc. And finally, we have an awesome student who's going to join us, Samara, welcome to all three of you, and thank you for joining Transformative Principle. So first and foremost, I'd like to uh, start with you, Miguel. You are the founder of a very different school called Embark Education uh, in Denver. And so can you talk to us a little bit about what Embark Education is and why you started that school? Sure. So Embark Education is an innovative micro school. Uh, designed for middle school students, 6th through 8th grade. And we are embedded in two small businesses where our school is literally a coffee shop and a bike shop. So our school and our students attend 
attend in those real world like in those real world locations and we support them to courageously inquire engage and discover a sense of self and so really embark started from trying to strip down education and kind of reimagine it from the beginning and and what does it look like to support students in an authentic learning experience and really design it with our students at the center and at the core and we've done it in a way that it really kind of broke down the idea that schools are the center of everything but rather put our learners at the center of it and then built around them including having the real world learning spaces of the two businesses and then the adults that surround um, our students are all there to support them through their learning experiences and their learning journey. Great. So can you tell us a little bit about what a micro school is compared to other traditional schools? Yeah. So a micro school is some people often liken it to a throwback to the one room schoolhouse where really it is a place where there are you know, everything's just kind of shrunken down, including how many students attend. So we have 30 students across sixth through eighth grade, and we blend our grade levels. So that way students are able to work across across grades where it's not really about being in sixth or seventh or eighth grade or what day you were born, but really where you're at in your learning journey. And so our educators work to to bring them their learning experiences at their level rather than saying, you're in seventh grade you know, here's the curriculum that is meant for you. So really kind of taking on that model, as well as, you know, really being able to support our students across both the curriculum, but social emotionally through movement and really getting to know our students through relationships. Yeah, that's, that's really important. So when you say micro school, that's probably not, you know, 400 kids at your school, how many students do you have signed up? And how many is your ideal number of enrolled students? Yeah, so this year, we launched this year in August, and we have 16 students enrolled. And we actually launched with uh, 7th and 8th grade initially. And next year, we're growing to add our 6th grade to be the full continuous experience. And so next year, uh, with 6th through 8th grade, we'll have about 30 students enrolled. So growing from from 16 to 30 here in the next year. So definitely a, a small a small number. Yeah, for sure. So with a micro school, then you're also funded differently. Are you a charter school or a public school or a private school? Talk a little bit about that and then introduce us to Brian, who's going to talk more about the finances as well. Sure. Yeah. So um, Embark Education is an independent school and we're an independent school, um, partly because of our size. Being a micro school, it wasn't necessarily possible for us to uh, to work within the bigger system of public education, um, nor being chartered here in Colorado. And then, you know, furthermore, um, being a truly learner-centered environment was difficult to uh, to work with the bigger systems because we have a lot more freedoms to really uh, work and meet our students with where they're at. And kind of behind that, the brainchild of how that all works for us is Brian Sense. Brian is the executive director of Great Work, Inc., uh, Great Work Inc. is an educational nonprofit that has traditionally worked in the Montessori world. And Brian is uh, one of the founders of Embark Education as well. And he can really share some more about our charge of being an independent school and then doing that uh, in a tuition-free way so that we we can be accessible to all students. Yeah. So Brian, before you start talking, I just want to say one of the challenges of 
independent schools is that tuition barrier. And so being able to do that in a tuition-free way is is super exciting. So tell us about how that actually works. Absolutely. I think that was one of the kind of the, the core pieces for us as we were looking at it and saying, hey, if we want to do this thing really differently, we need to to be able to do it as you know outside of the, the traditional structure. And at the same time, did not want to get caught up into the you know, kind of the hierarchies of the private school, the tuition-based models that that traditionally are are there, and so that was kind of the challenge uh, to to me from our board was let's let's figure out if we can do this, how do we do it so that that, that is not an obstacle or a barrier to providing this kind of an educational experience, and what we landed at is looking at the the kind of the launch and the operation of of, uh, of a couple of businesses to support along with some uh, some philanthropic uh, dollars to basically support the educational experience. And, uh, you know, through modeling and, and exploration, we actually built a kind of a, a pathway where we said, if we can get these businesses past there about, uh, it's right at about 28 months was, was where we figured it for the coffee shop and, and right about 24 for the bike shop. At that point, those, uh, those shops start becoming profitable. And that profitability can actually go to sustain the educational uh, experience themselves. And so, you know, with that, we were able to to get out and, and do some fundraising and do some uh, some some grant soliciting and, and find some some folks that wanted to take a chance on thinking about structuring education differently. And landed at this model where, uh, you know, we we initially launched the business with with some grant funding and. Uh, and then utilize the proceeds of the business to roll back in to support the educational process. Hmm. And so, so you created those businesses for the purpose of having a school in them. Did I understand that right? Yeah. So the, the way we the way we looked at it, and we we went through a couple of different explorations. Is is we started off by saying, can we partner with existing businesses already? And one of the things we came back with is is we were worried about doing so because we really want to give the students ownership over the experience up to it, including sometimes making decisions that might not be in the optimal best best uh, health of the business themselves so that there's real authenticity and, and real, uh, you know, kind of the natural feedback loops within that. You know, we kind of looking at it where where the adults, the the leaders, the managers of the businesses themselves I'll use the, the kind of the, the metaphor of bumpers on a bowling alley. Like their job is to make sure that the, that the students don't throw gutter balls. But we also want to let the students not throw strikes every time because there's a lot to be learned from, uh, you know, from, from making decisions and then doing a, a reflection piece on those within, within some of those operations. And so in order to do that, that's a really hard thing to ask of a small business is to let, uh, a group of middle schools make some mistakes while while being in a decision making role. So we we decided that the, the only way that we could really kind of do this, at least while we're while we're piloting it and while we're really trying to understand what and how we utilize the shops and utilize the students and leadership roles, uh, was to create the businesses ourselves. Wow, that is to me that is just a fascinating idea. Those are the kinds of things that we talk about and that I've attempted to do in education and we had we've had a few instances where some kids have created something business like but it's not really not as real as what you're doing and so i just think that that is a really powerful example can you give an example of some business decisions that the kids do get to have input in 
and how that either went wrong or went right so far? Yeah, and and actually, uh, Samara will be able to speak to this as well. Uh, and and she was involved in in some of the decision making around. Uh, we did a, a some price changes recently as we were uh, putting together our budget for uh, for twenty twenty. And you know, we're we're looking at prices. We're looking at price per cup for every every cup of coffee, every drink that we had on the menu, and and breaking it down in, in terms of what that looked like. And ultimately decided that we were able to uh, to commit make ten and fifteen cent changes to the uh, to the prices without having any customer impact and uh, ultimately increasing the kind of the, the the net surplus of the business by a pretty significant margin when we when we you know extend that out over the course of the year and so that's that's one of the examples that we'll kind of use in uh, in that side of it for sure. Yeah, so Samara, why don't you come on and talk a little bit about that experience and your overall experience at the school too? Let's address the the coffee shop price changes first and how the, how you were uh, involved in that and not just you know someone who whose only role is to buy the coffee. Right. Yeah, um, let me let me help frame this a little bit for you too, Samara. Yes, please. In the sense that Jethro, how we how we uh, pose it to our students versus just kind of jumping straight into like let's make price changes. Right. It was really this opportunity to uh, look at, you know, we asked our students to look at innovations within either the coffee industry or the bike industry. And Samara chose to dig into looking at the espresso machine. And then she ended up working with our coffee shop manager to go through all of our books and all of our, our sales over the over the year. So I'm going to go ahead and stop there. But Samara, the entry point is through the coffee and innovation project and what that led to. Yes, thank you um, for reminding me. <laughs> so uh, basically what we were just doing is that, like Miguel said, we were just doing a certain innovative project on what we wanted to do. And I found particular interest in the espresso machine. And so Embark is solely about trying to find what you are interested in and how you can build it in a kind of real world setting instead of trying to like like shy you away from the world. So with that, they help you find things that you are interested in. And I was interested in the coffee machine. So I was there and I was sitting down with our coffee shop manager and we were looking at the computers. We were looking at stats, everything, the coffee sales, how many people have came in in a day, how much money you make off the espresso machine specifically, how we can boost that, just different types of things. We were just coming up with all types of ideas and just really digging in deep to with my questions on how I wanted to further my research and present my project. So hmm. so when you were doing that, what was what was your own personal goal? Was your goal to increase revenue or was it to make better coffee or or what? What were you focused on in that? Well, we already have outstanding coffee, so I was not worried about that. I was more worried about how we can increase our sales on based on the coffee machine. So I wanted to look at the coffee machine specifically because it does produce a, like 85% of our drinks. So I wanted to see how much we can boost that and how we can include it into other drinks or how we can promote it more, just basically how we can promote the espresso machine more and make it more money. And so then what did you, what did you learn from that experience of understanding the espresso machine and how it could make you guys more money? What, what was your own personal outcome from that? 
my personal outcome was definitely learning is definitely a strong point for me. I enjoy learning a lot. And just the outcome of what, like just interacting with our coffee shop manager, just having that interaction and being able to know what the stats are and how different people keep track of their businesses and what their business is earning was very valuable because I have talked to Brian, scheduled meetings with Brian about because I would like to start my own business and managers and different adults are very, like very special to me when it comes to educational and information. Mm -hmm. And so were you, when you talk about the manager of the coffee shop, is that your teacher? Is that your boss? How do you, what's your relationship with the manager of the coffee shop and what does that look like? It's basically everything. You could say he's a boss. You could say he's a teacher. You could say he's a friend. We are a very like tight-knit community. We don't like to just focus on educational needs, but also social and emotional needs as well. So we really feel comfortable with each other and we know how to work through real-world situations. So he is definitely all my teachers, all my bosses, friends, whatever you like to call them. We all learn from each other. It's not like this is... We definitely do have authority, but it's not as strict. We are independent and we are motivated. So it's very open and just flowing. So would you tell us what the experience is like at this school versus the schools that you previously attended? Yeah. So previously I was at a public school that had around like 500 students and it was just a big mess. I felt so stressed. Like I was so stressed all the time trying to get all these assignments in. Like here's a due date. Here's a due date. Like there was no personal like, hey, how can I help you? Are you doing okay? Is everything okay? It was like, you need to get this in like right now. Like or in two days, we need to sign this. You have to be up to this like speed by this date. Rather, in when I switched to Embark, I was very happy and relaxed and more willing to come to school and learn in different types of ways. Instead of just sitting in a classroom, I got to learn in the bike shop and in the coffee shop and go outside and, you know, look at all, like just pick up trash, like anything I can do for the community or for my learning was more hands-on and less stressful. The educators are willing to work with you based on your individual needs and not like where the whole class needs to be. Like Miguel was saying, it's not like seventh graders have a certain goal rather than eighth graders. It's like, it's based on every student's individual needs. Yeah. Very interesting. So who are the adults that are at the school with you and are interacting with you? You've talked about the manager of the coffee shop and then Miguel and Brian. So who else is there? There's my math and science teacher, which is Rusty. And then there's my LA and kind of humanities history teacher, which is Carissa. And then we also have everybody that works at GWI, which is including Barb, Aaron, etc. Um, we have the manager of the bike shop, which is Jake. And we have also Tom that works in the bike shop too. So every there's always an adult to help you. That's very cool. Hey, guess what? I've got a book coming out. How exciting is that? It's called School X, and it's all about helping you as a principal be a designer of your school and not just a manager. So I hope you'll check it out. You can download the free chapter at 
schoolx.me. So just go to schoolx.me to download the first free chapter. And once you get it, hit reply to the email and tell me what you think. Looking forward to sharing that with you. That's schoolx.me. So going back to you, Miguel, talk about reducing class sizes. You know, you've got all these adults. It sounds like she named almost a dozen different adults that she could be working with. Can you talk about the the staffing and maybe Brian add to it, but the staffing for the school part and the staffing for the business part? Yeah. So, I mean, Samara pretty much nailed it that we really looked at um, the structures of, a, you know, the adults in the community and that all of us have our own areas of focus, you know? So my, my job is, um, you know, really looking after and supporting Embark um, and supporting Rusty and Carissa, who are currently our two uh, seventh and eighth grade educators. And then we also have, um, as Samara noted, um, a full coffee shop team, which in, um, includes our, you know, our coffee shop manager and then a full barista team. Uh, so they make Pinwheel Coffee, which is our coffee shop, uh, really, you know, one of the top rated coffee shops in Denver. And then we have uh, Tom and Jake, uh, which are on our bike shop team. And so the coffee shop team and the bike shop team, we call them our enterprise team together. Our enterprise team, they're really after, you know, making incredible businesses, incredible small businesses. But as they're hired on to to really create this, you know, create these small businesses, they're also hired knowing that it's not a typical bike shop or coffee shop, that their intention is to um, support adolescents in their learning. And so they, in that recognition, all of them kind of take on this role of supporter, teacher, friend, um, as Samara named it, of our students. And so, you know, one of the amazing things is that as a student is, you know, maybe engaging in some independent math work, they might uh, saddle up at, you know, the the bike shop working bar and they, you know, Tom, um, one of the bike mechanics is is just as likely to set down his tool to come over and support that student as they're, you know, encounter their first pieces of frustration with their math as he is to continue working on that bike. You know, he knows that making that impact on on students is just as valuable as getting that bike to that customer. And so, you know, we really do have these, you know, all of these adults who have, you know, open eyes and open hearts um, to work with our students. So. Oh, so if I could chime in as well, I think one of the, and, and even going back to some of the origins on why a bike shop and why a coffee shop, goes to the to the idea that the role of the adult is not just even within kind of the the organization or school structure but is in creating a sense of community and we've had opportunities one of the things that is really special about the school is you know it's not like there's a classroom and then there's the bike shop and the coffee shop the bike shop the coffee shop the kind of we call it the learning hub which is kind of a student only space uh, that is back behind those two shops all of it is the classroom as well as the community as a whole. And so we're just as likely to have, you know, Tom or, or, you know, do some math or Jake do some poetry at the, at the bike stand as we are with having two students having a meeting at a coffee shop table and then being overheard, which this is also just a true story of, of uh, a community member. Uh, as students were talking about creating an art project in a mural on a on a backyard space that we have, uh, turned out that local artists just happened to be meeting at the table next to them and have volunteered to help 
uh, kind of bring their professional expertise in to uh, to support the student operation. So it's it's really it's it's recognizing that when we break down the walls of school and think about you know much more of a of a merged school and life experience that is that is really kind of attending to the needs of the whole the whole student. There are an enormous amount of adults that can play uh, valuable roles within within that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super powerful. So, Brian, what does your interview and hire process look like for people at the bike shop and the coffee shop? And how do you like I'm sure they're surprised. I thought it was just going to be a barista, but you want me to like work with kids, too? What's going on here? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. We spend a, a pretty decent amount of time uh, in the, you know, in the application and in the posting, really trying to tell the story of what what is the experience for those different roles. I think, you know, while every role has a focus, every role also has a uh, kind of the fluidity of being involved in these other aspects of programs. And so, you know, looking at cultural fits and, and looking at people who we feel like would, you know, both want to and would be good at uh, being able to engage with, uh, with middle schoolers in an authentic way. And, and just being really open and honest about that with, with folks is there's a lot of people who are phenomenal, phenomenal bike mechanics who would not be an appropriate person to kind of work at framework cycles with, with the students. And, and that's okay. But as long as we're able to, you know, really create a lot of clarity around that. And then, and then whenever we can, we also involve students in interview processes, both because as, as somebody who's given a lot of interviews or who've been on, I guess, on the interviewer side as well as the interviewee side, I learn way more about being in an interview by being an interviewer uh, than, the, than vice versa. And the more that we are able to include students into all of those kind of experiences, the better that they are prepared as, as a whole, but also they're able to, to really kind of get a good sense of of adults that they're like, yeah, I could, I could work with that person. That person seems like they would be, uh, you know, somebody that's real. And, and when you think about kind of what is, you know, at, during middle school, like middle school students know who they want to work around. And it's usually people who feel comfortable in their own skin, who, you know, like, like everybody during that age, during that time of life is just trying to figure out how do I, how do I exist in my body, in my community, in my neighborhood, in my family? Like who, you know, and, and are gravi- always gravitate towards people who have a good sense of themselves. And that's a lot of what we're trying to, to, to build into just the day-to-day school life is surround kids with people who, who are themselves and, and then let them engage and converse and find these different people to learn from. Yeah, that's really great. So one of my thoughts about this is that you would you would think that a school would probably want to do this with high school students because then they could at least work at the coffee shop and the bike shop as well. But that doesn't sound like that's really your purpose. And you're focusing on middle school and extending from seventh grade down to sixth grade so that you can have the whole middle school experience. Why focus on middle school instead of high school where you could at least, you know, get some some cheap labor in there also? Sorry, I, I, I laugh because it, at times people have said, oh, you guys are just doing this to, uh, to have the, the cheap labor of students. And, and if they only knew that uh, we end up being way more staffed in order to support all the operations. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Miguel, I don't know if you want to take this or I'll, I'll maybe give a start and then you, you tag in from there. But uh, 
you know, I think part of it is there, there were a few things that we really were, were looking at. You know, some of Great Work uh, Inc.'s kind of backstory has been doing a lot of work within the uh, International Montessori Association on, on creating what middle and high school looks like for Montessori and creating training programs and, and uh, teacher trainings around that area of work. And, and one of the kind of core components of that has always been this idea of middle school um, having having real authentic experiences with production and exchange of money and interacting within a community as as just an essential element that is developmentally appropriate for that uh, you know kind of that twelve to fifteen year old student and so that's originally you know some of the some of the just where we were have been oriented from and, and looking at it the other thing that we really found was. There's some really interesting stuff happening in elementary schools and some really interesting stuff happening in high schools. And middle school tends to get ignored by, by interesting education projects. And it's also like, the, it, like one of the most important ages in terms of how do we set kids up for success and loving and actually liking learning, right? Samara talks about, you know, she loves learning and hated her, her school prior to coming to Embark. And if that continued, then that continues through into their high school years. Whereas if we can really cultivate and, and help support her to continue to love learning, the success that she'll have going into high school will be tremendous. But, but this middle school time period is where a lot of students tend to get missed and not really served with what they actually need. We, we focus more on the academic, or we tend to focus more on the academics than on the, the person. Whereas Embark was our opportunity to say, hey, let's really focus in on how do we build an entire thing around what, what a middle schooler needs and how do, they, how do they learn and grow best, not just for these years, but also for their future years. Yeah. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer. A title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval. One book that says, Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. What do you have to add, Miguel? I'd, yeah, I'd just like to jump in. And I mean, Brian really articulated that well. And I'd also just say that, um, you know, it's never really about the bikes or the coffee. It's really about student learning, right? And if you take it away from looking at it as, you know, two businesses that have students in it and really look at it as a, you know, truly in a holistic fashion as these businesses exist to support our students. So it's never really about, again, not about the bikes or the coffee, but about student learning. You know, with that in mind, it's this, you know, as Brian was saying, that middle school is this oftentimes, you know, overlooked area of of development and education. And it's really that time where students are finding themselves and and answering that question of how do they fit into this world. You know, a lot of research out there shows that students don't drop out in high school, they drop out in middle school, they can just actually sign that paperwork and walk away when they're in high school, right? And so if we're able to support students, both in continuing that, that passion, that interest in learning, you know, we're going to be setting them up for success in the future. 
And moreover, then the learning itself is if we're able to support students in being comfortable in their own skin and also understand the basics of building out their own social capital through talking and working with adults in authentic ways, then we're setting them up for success, you know, far, far beyond high school and into their life. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I've noticed with middle schoolers being a middle school principal for many years is that they're so anxious to have meaning and be part of something real. And they understand that school is a game and it's not meaningful like high school where, you know, they say this is going to get you into a good school, which is debatable anyway, but they want to have meaning in what they're doing. And so they so often step away from school because it's it's boring, but we'll spend hours doing something in Minecraft or Fortnite or or learning something else that is not happening at school. And so I just love this idea of focusing on middle school students, giving them an opportunity to be part of something real and do something meaningful, and then saying clearly that it's not about the bikes or the coffee, but it's about student learning and and having everybody be okay with that as as the approach, but and yet still making enough money at these businesses that they can continue to support the student learning. I just think that it's so fantastic and amazing. And I want to go to Samara for a minute and ask you, Samara, what's high school going to look like for you now that you've had this experience at at this Embark Middle School? Definitely knowing where I want to center my learning, because that is definitely what Embark is about. That's why we have a thing called Learner Center Time, which is in our free time. We really focus on what we are interested in, what students are interested in, how we want to grow on that. So definitely for high school, I am looking for summer jobs. I am researching more and I have barista skills and I am very interested in being a barista myself for a high school job. So definitely having those skills kind of taking me a little bit further into getting new job opportunities and in high school, just really wanting to explore, like finding my own business, helping other students, just different types of things, just really branching out in um, high school and helping everybody. Well, and what a great barista you will be if you understand the bigger picture of a business more than just pouring coffee and giving it to people, but actually like what goes into making it and making it good and how to increase your profits and things like that. I think that that would be so beneficial for someone who's, who's hiring you to work in their shop. So the other thing I want to say about middle school students is it's a time when the things they actually learn, like the standards that the states have, with the exception of algebra, they really they really aren't that different from grade to grade. And so an English class with most common core state standards is really pretty similar, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. There's not a lot of change that's happening in there. And so it seems like the perfect time of a student's life to throw something completely different at them and give them this new experience. Do you have anything to add about that aspect? And any one of you can answer on that one. I do, for sure. At Embark, when I was doing the sixth grade interviews for our new teacher, she asked me a question. She's like, well, what do you see Embark 
embarks future us. And I said, well, we want our students to be very independent and we want them to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in the most comfortable way possible. And if they need a little push, we are like our educators are here to give us a little push if needed. But most of the time we are very self-motivated and very independent about it. So just being comfortable with stepping outside our comfort zone. Yeah. And self-motivated is not how most people describe middle schoolers. And yet they are out there. They do exist. And when given the opportunity, I've found that they often rise to that occasion. Anything to add to that, uh, Miguel or Brian? I would, uh, you know, one of the things that I've sometimes said, and, and I, uh, I kind of come from, from less traditional education stock. So, uh, this sometimes gets me in trouble in the education ecospheres, but, uh, I always kind of look at it like middle school, there's very little that you learn in middle school that you haven't already either had in kind of the most basic form or you're not going to get in a much deeper form. And, and so kind of like you said, it's, it's, it's the opportunity to really focus in on, on all of these really important, you know, kind of learning, but not necessarily in the, in the, in the traditional academics. It's more learning as a human being as opposed to learning as a student even. And with that kind of a focus, it gives so much opportunity to ultimately, I think, cultivate habits that will become really essential in, in learning and, and growing more as, a, as an academic student in high school and, and beyond. But just even as just a, as a person and, and being happy and being engaged and, and being present in the, in the work that they're doing. And so, yeah, that, that's at least kind of philosophically the way I look at middle school is, is the academics are there and they're important, but it's really about who they are as people. Yeah, uh, Brian, that is absolutely correct. And every middle school educator will agree with you on that and then go right back to the classroom and say, we got to get this work done. And it's it's just something that I totally do not understand. But that that is what those kids need. And that's where they're at. So in closing, I really appreciate all three of you being here. And so my final question is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? So, Miguel, I'll start with you, and then we'll do Samara a second so she has a little bit of time to think about that. Yeah, I think that the one piece I would say about, um, you know, that any leader can do this week is when they look at look at their students and look at them as young adults, it's to to treat them as adults and then support them in being young, right? And if you can approach it in that fashion um, as, you know, honor them as their whole people and then support them in their youth. Um, I think that that makes a huge difference. Very good. Samara, what's your thought on that? How to be a transformative leader? It's definitely very um, important. We don't want to say that one person can lead a bunch of group of people. Just that one person, we want to give everybody the ability to realize their self-worth and how powerful they are with the knowledge and education they're getting. Um, from educators, from themselves, learning by themselves. So being a leader is definitely something that is important and powerful for us. Yeah, that's really powerful. Give people the ability to realize their self-worth and give them opportunities to lead others. Very good. Brian, we'll close out with you. I'm going to, I'm going to just say, listen humbly and, and I'm, I'm going to use, I mean, before uh, Samara jumped on, I, I had said, just so you know, Samara, because you'll probably hear it in the podcast anyway. 
uh, that, that Samara is way smarter than me and Miguel combined. And uh, I think uh, as just listening to your answers, her answers in this podcast, it, it just reinforces this idea that, you know, if we listen and be humble about listening, Samara and every other student knows what they need better than, than we can. And, and it's really our job to support that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, this has been so awesome. This is a brilliant model that you have developed and it's so exciting to hear about. And there's so many more questions that, that I still have that I know our listeners still have. So we may need to do a part two of this and thank you Samara so much for coming on as a student and sharing your insight with us. And there are going to be thousands of people that hear this Samara. And it's very cool that you, that you're willing to take this time to do it. I want to remind you that you can get the show notes for this uh, at jethrojones.com slash podcast. And if you want to learn more about Embark Education, you can go to embarkeducation.org and check those out. And if you're ever in the Denver area, definitely stop by the coffee shop and the bike shop and see what they're doing. And once again, I want to say thank you to Brian, Miguel, and Samara for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you. It's been a been an absolute pleasure. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Jethro. Thank you. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to ixl.com be to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.